everybody to the College Basketball Bonanza. I'm your host, Nick Keneally. Ho- Nicholas Hodell is out covering some college basketball right now, so he will not be able to join us this weekend. We do have some special coverage from him, but he is out covering some college basketball content for everybody. Uh, you can keep up with his adventures on his Twitter, Hodell Sports. Um, but for right now, we're just going to hop right into some coverage of this last week of college basketball, and it has been a great one. Let's go back to last Sunday. Uh, number seven Creighton falls to unranked Nebraska, sixty-three fifty-three. Creighton has been red hot to start out this year, um, and Nebraska put an immediate end to that. Um, actually, it wasn't necessarily immediate. It really took halfway into the second half for them to really take off. It was a pretty great battle uh, throughout the first about thirty minutes of of action, um, but the Cornhuskers just really took over when it mattered. Um, and that was behind 22 points and 8 rebounds for Derek Walker. Uh, he really shot out in this one um, and was able to lead the team. Also a, a great 18.12 rebound and 7 assist performance for Sam Grizzell as well. A uh, handful of steals for him too. Um, but it, it really came down to uh, the efficiency of these teams. Uh, both put out a, a similar amount of shots, but uh, Nebraska made 48% of their shots to Creighton's 31%. Um, and that really made all the difference. Uh, small upside for Creighton here. Francisco Farabella, who's had a pretty rough start to his uh, senior season, did have 16 tonight on 5-9 from shooting. 5-9 uh, from shooting from 3, sorry. Uh, it's He's had a kind of rough start to the season. Uh, put up a couple points in some previous games. Only had a high of about 8 points earlier on in the season. But this 16 points was a very, very good indicator uh, if they can, if he can keep going with this, and if Creighton can really keep playing the way that they have throughout the season, they should have no reason to worry. Of course, of course, they're going to fall down in the rankings just a little bit because of this unranked loss. Um, but honestly, not a lot to fret about for Creighton. I mean, it was a it was a really out of character night for them in terms of the way that they weren't able to put the ball in the basket. Such a efficient team normally, so not much worries. Uh, also on last Sunday, Northwestern taking down number 20 Michigan State. This is a Michigan State team that I, I, I frequently back every single week. Um, I, I come to bat for them through their wins, through their losses. I am always there for them. And they really kind of disappointed down the stretch here. I mean, they lost 70, 70, 70 to 63, but that final score doesn't tell the story of this game. This was a battle through the first 39 and a half minutes really I mean it was 64 to 63 Northwestern with under a minute left um but it was just it was just came down to grit um uh, which the Spartan team really has um they've shown throughout the season I mean with their wins against Kentucky with their close losses like Gonzaga they've had grit and they they really came up a bit short here uh Northwestern's Boo Booey had 27 for 7 at the line that always helps uh, and it overall was a team game. Not not a lot of jump out performances besides Bowie's here. Um, just an overall team win for Northwestern. Um, that's also going to bring us to Virginia Tech's Sunday uh, win over number 18, North Carolina, who has been struggling. This is a North Carolina Tar Heel team that started off the year in the first couple of weeks number one in the polls. But as soon as they, they ran into at least a little bit of competition, They've been declining. It all started with that Iowa State loss in the Classic, and they've just gone down and down. 
Um, and this loss to you know unranked Virginia Tech is a is a testament to that. I mean, falling down eight points um, to this Hokies team. I mean, twenty seven for Justin Mutz and eleven rebound. That is a absolute dominant performance over this Tar Heel defense that had a lot of uh, hopes going into this season. Uh, also, 14 for Sean Padula, 13 for Hunter Couture, including 3 for 4 from the 3. Virginia Tech was just getting it done from everywhere on the court. They were in the driver's seat this whole entire game, uh, even led by 18 at one point. Just a great, great win for the Hokies, and you really, really have to be questioning what is the Tar Heels' expectations beyond this because after this week it's looking like they aren't a ranked team i mean coming in as a as the number one team in the country according to the preseason ap polls it doesn't look like they are a top 25 team in this nation it really doesn't um and it's a shock because they had such a strong season uh last year a great run into the uh in, in the march madness and it's just it's just been a downward spiral in the last two and a half weeks for them uh, that brings us to some great Tuesday matchups. A great ranked clash. Number two, Texas. Number 17, Illinois in the Jimmy V Classic. Madison Square Garden game. This was a great stage. Um, and it was tight the entire way. This game goes to overtime. And number 17, Illinois sticks it out. Takes the 85-78 win. Um, and this is behind 21 for Matthew Mayer. Goes 5 for 5 on threes. Talk a lot about Mayer, about uh, how he's he meant a lot for Baylor's recent runs. Jumps over to Illinois, and he is the the leader in this game against Texas, who I, with the downfall of North Carolina, I mean, I was thinking that Texas was the top team in the country, of course, between Texas and Houston at the top of the polls. I was really behind the Longhorns, and this was just this was a tough, tough loss for them. Terrence Shannon Jr. also put up 16 for the Fighting Illini. Um, Timmy Allen did uh, for the Longhorns at least put up 21 in the loss. That was a, a pretty shining uh, point for them in the loss. I mean, an over an overtime L. You kind of have to take that with a grain of salt. It came down to making shots, um, and that's something that usually Texas. Uh, has the upper hand on, but Illinois had the edge in this win in efficiency. How about Wisconsin stumping the red-hot Maryland Terrapins? Going into this game, ranked number 13 in the country, Maryland just beat Illinois to go 8-0. But Wisconsin jumped off to a great start and didn't look back. Uh, I mean, the Terrapins' largest lead in this one was, was one singular point. Um... It was free throws. It was turnovers throughout this entire game. Uh, Wisconsin just held a little bit of an edge through it. Really, rarely went to a double-digit game. Um, and Wisconsin overall took took the game sixty-four to fifty-nine. And we're going to jump over to Saturday action here with Memphis handing num- number eleven Auburn their first L of the season. Memphis takes the win, eighty-two to seventy-three. This one was a tight, tight battle until the second half started heating up. Um, and Auburn really just couldn't match Memphis's scoring. They ended up shot chucking, going for three as they just went cold. Kendrick Davis dropping 27 points, nine rebounds, and six assists for the Memphis Tigers. DeAndre Williams also was able to complement that with 16 points, 11 rebounds. Um, overall, just more dominant down the stretch for the uh, Memphis Tigers. Can't say the Tigers. Auburn also has that title. But Memphis was the dominant Tiger in this one. I mean, just down the stretch, they came up big. Um, and their defense was really just... It, 
they gave up a good amount of points, but down the stretch, I mean, it just came it just came to Auburn taking a bunch of bunch of shots, inefficient shots. Um and luckily Memphis was able to get some rebounds up in there, um, and just keep that momentum going. And it was a, it was a great win for Memphis here. They they've had such a a great start to the season. I mean, last year they had so many high hopes with that that team, Jalen Duran, Amani Bates, um, and with both of those players gone, it looks like you know this Kendrick Davis led team has a lot and a lot of potential. Uh, also, taking a look at Penn State taking down Illinois seventy four to fifty nine. Illinois is coming off of their big OT win against Texas on Tuesday, and the Nittany Lions here just couldn't couldn't be stopped. You had twenty from Andrew Funk, twenty from Jalen Pickett. 16 from Seth Lundy, 15 from Miles Dredd. I mean, Penn State shot exactly 50% from the field, 50% from three, and 80% from the line. Just an extremely efficient game uh, for Penn State, and they they were too much for Illinois to stop. Um, we're also going to take a look at St. Mary's taking down number 22, San Diego State 68-61. This Aztecs team is a team that I, I back a lot, but St. Mary's really showed them the business here. I mean, a 7-point win, but it was a 20-point performance from Aiden Mahaney of the Gales. It was a great team win, um, and we have more coverage of this game and more from the Jerry Colangio Classic in Phoenix, Arizona, and the footprint center from nicholas hodell we're going to jump over to him right now hey everyone it's nicholas hodell coming from you from the footprint center after two really solid games in the first day of the jerry colangelo classic uh the first game i saw san diego state falling to st mary's this was a really good performance from st mary's again the gales really controlled throughout and part of it was their ability to limit nathan mensa for really being able to do a lot of things. Only had four points and four rebounds before fouling out in the final few minutes of this game. Other players did step up. Matt Bradley had a solid 13 points. Not the best shooting night for him, though. Lamont Butler also had 11 points. But really from nearly the start all the way out to the finish, St. Mary's had control of this game. And really it was Alec Dukas with 17 points. Dukas such the big guy inside was doing a great job logan johnson at 15 points with six rebounds in this game he was also terrific and i just felt like st mary's looked like the better team on the floor tonight which really was a big part of that win san diego state they're still a very quality basketball team as is st mary's you got to give the gales so much credit St. Mary's kind of took some losses. I don't think they had really a major, major win quite yet on the resume. This is certainly this. This will hold up as a quadrant one neutral site victory for St. Mary's. That is a big deal if St. Mary's wants to get into the NCAA tournament on an at-large basis. I think they may have to do some other things. Really finish as a clear second-place team in the West Coast Conference. But today's win here in Phoenix certainly helped St. Mary's out uh, by a wide margin. I mean, the second game I saw, North Texas narrowly defeating GCU. This was a really tight game all the way throughout. This is a game that was so low scoring in that first half. North Texas and GCU both made some critical shots in the second half. Really got the game flowing a lot more. And really, I, mean, I talked to Coach, Coach Rice Drew for GCU after the game. He really mentioned that's kind of why he wants it for his team. He wants it a bit more on the faster side of things get some more shots up get some more opportunities for some shots and 
just really a close game throughout. Several moments of this game that were interesting. You know, a, a, a foul um, Odrago uh, for GCU. He committed, leading to three North Texas free throws. Not a lot of people here in the Footprint Center agree with that call. Neither did I, quite frankly. That was kind of one of those calls where the North Texas shooter was really leaning in a little bit. Kind of both players were doing that a little bit, I thought. Uh, but certainly not the best call, particularly in the eyes of well, it was a heavily GCU crowd. And the university is about 15, 20 minutes down the road. So this was a huge GCU crowd. Credit to the GCU students. They filled about three sections of the footprint center today full. And it was a really lively crowd. Uh, and then with about 142 left, North Texas got a third chance. It was a three-pointer that missed. And then it was two rebounds. Um, Osmane had a rebound. Then he missed an open layup. Then he got his own rebound again. And then he made another one. That put North Texas up, I believe, by five. And that was absolutely critical. Uh, Blackshear, about 45 seconds left, missed a three. That really would have given GCU a lot closer in this game. And it was very early in the shot clock. That one I'm not a big fan of. I mean, the final possession, I just thought Blackshear was... Not sure exactly what he was looking for, but I thought he dribbled away too many seconds. I mean, all you got to do is drive it inside, and you're going to overtime, and then you got five more minutes to really find out what you got. Uh, but he kind of stuck at the top of the key, tried to go in, then stepped back out of it real quickly, and then that was about, about four seconds left. North Texas, and he gave, only gave Blackshear one option. That was the pass, the ball uh, to Baker, and it was a three that was short and wide. I mean, it wasn't a very good shot attempt for the final shot of the game. So North Texas defensively, they absolutely did what they had to do. And neither of those teams, I feel like, are at-large quality teams at this point. GCU really has been working towards March this whole time with the tough schedule they've built against teams like Nevada and Wyoming in particular. Uh, but it's a really good win for North Texas. And North Texas, I still feel like, is one of the better teams in Conference USA. So by no means is this a bad loss for GCU. But for North Texas to come into Phoenix, essentially GCU's second home floor. I mean, GCU's played in this building five out of the last six seasons now once. And for North Texas to come out, get a gritty win I think that's a huge one for North Texas. That should get them a lot of momentum. So two really good games in the Footprint Center today. Nick, I will send it back over to you. Thank you, Nicholas. A couple more games from the Saturday slate that I want to mention. Uh, Purdue taking the 65-62 overtime win against the Nebraska Cornhuskers. I mean, this is a number four ranked Purdue team that is now 10-0, and but this game uh, OT showdown going down to the absolute wire. Um, Purdue really they led by <clears throat> they led by fourteen in this game, and Nebraska's largest lead in this one was two. If that'll show you what this game was about, I mean Purdue had a pretty uh, they had the driving force in this game for the entirety, especially. At the beginning of the second half, I mean, it looked like this was almost a surefire Boilermakers win. Um, and this, this of course, you, big surprise, this comes with a, a big role of Zach Eady with 11 points and 17 rebounds in this one. Also, seven blocks. Um, but Nebraska really did a good job of fighting back. And uh, that was a major led, majorly led by 19 points uh, off the bench from uh Kizzy Tominaga, um, and also 14 each um, from Derek Walker and Emmanuel uh, Bandumel. Derek Walker, 
Derek Walker's been a pretty consistent player this week. Um, and he was a big, big role, or played a big role in that, that charge back. But Purdue, able to stick this one out. It was that Zach Eady performance. You look at those blocks, you look at those rebounds. It was also 22 points here from Fletcher Lawyer, who's uh, really been jumping out as a <clears throat> great number one or two uh, scoring option here when you don't need to rely on Zach Eady on, in, in, on the interior. He's been shooting pretty well this season. Um, I mean, shot two for 10 from three, which is not the efficiency that you look for. But overall this season, he's been knocking down his shots when it matters. Um, and that was just a big, big reason why Purdue won this overtime showdown. Purdue remains undefeated. Um, also jumping over to Alabama-Houston. The biggest game of this Saturday slate, number eight Alabama, number one Houston, and Alabama takes home the dub and sends the Cougars home with, or I mean, they were at home, but sends the Cougars back to the locker room with their first L of the season. What a game for the Crimson Tide, putting up 71 to Houston 65, Um, and this was a tight one throughout it, Um, and it even looked like Houston Houston had a pretty big lead in the second half. Um, I mean, it, it, it was still a, a back-and-forth battle, but it looked like Houston had the win here. Uh, but Alabama was able to charge, charge back. Um, and it was just a great team win for them. And that that's overall what they had to accomplish for this win over Houston. It, it came down to their rebounding, 44 rebounds. I mean, everyone was getting parts of it. Uh, 11 rebounds along with 16 points for Noah Clowney. He he had a great performance. Uh, you also had Mark Sears. Sears, one of their elite scorers, go off for 11. Um, 12 points as well for Jaden Bradley. It was just all around a great, great team win here. Houston going home, or t- staying home, I guess, with their first loss of the season. I mean, that is, that is wild. You had 19 from Jamal Sheed, but that wasn't enough to lead this Cougars team um, it was just some shortcomings. I mean, Jairus Walker had eight points. He didn't. He only put up four field goals. Um, and I mean that that type of defensive pressure, I guess, is really what was able to turn the tides in this one. Get a crimson tide. Um, but just a great, great upset win. Number one, Houston goes down. That is the second time Alabama has beat the number one team in the country this year. Just about a week ago, they beat North Carolina in that four overtime game, hundred three to hundred one, and now they do it against Houston. This Alabama team is dangerous. I want to also take a little look at uh, Arizona's win over Indiana. Arizona Arizona comes into this game ranked number ten in the country. Indiana goes goes in ranked fourteen. Really even even matchup in terms of AP polls, but this box score i mean this final score is not even 89 to 75 win for the wildcats and that is behind a 21 point performance from you guess it to Bellis. he has been so consistent this season um a 25 perform- point performance in his last game against cal 20 in the in the their only loss against utah i mean he has been an absolute bucket this year he also had 16 points uh, from Pele Larson, 15 from Umar Ballo, uh, 14 from Kirk Kreese. I mean, just points all across the board for the Wildcats here. Um, and that scoring really is what was able to get it done for them. I mean, shot 40% as a team um, from behind the arc, um, 49% from the field. 
They were getting it done. They out-rebounded the Hoosiers, out-assisted the Hoosiers, uh, out-blocked them. They didn't. They had the same amount of turnovers, but uh, overall, they just looked like the much, much better team. You had some pretty good performances across the board for Indiana, too. I mean, you look at the 16 for Race Thompson, the 14 for Miller Cop. That's usually something that you see in an Indiana win. Um, but they weren't able to get that done. A tough, tough Arizona team here. I mean, I picked them as my team of the week before. Um, and they just keep getting stronger and stronger. Um, and we have a BYU and Creighton game that is, as we speak, going down to its last second of the game. Uh, BYU leading 83-80. to 80, um, And this game is over now. BYU uh, upsetting 21 in the nation. Creighton, that is their fourth loss in a row. Um, just a, a really, really tough downfall for Creighton here. I mean, we talked about their loss earlier in the week um, to Nebraska, and now four in a row. They, they're most likely likely dropping from seven in the nation to unranked. Um, and that's just, that's such, such a turnaround for the Blue Jays. Um, and not at all in a good way. They had 27 tonight from Arthur Kaluma. Um, great individual performance here, but that just, it wasn't enough as they weren't able to stop that BYU uh, offense from rolling. 26 off the bench from Rudy Williams. Uh, you had 11 from multitude of players. You had 11 from Jackson Robinson. You had 11 from Gideon George. You had 11 from uh, uh, Fusini Treyer. Um, and just all of those points across the board, they just put up shots, 67 field goal attempts in regulation, uh, in this regulation win. Um, and the offense meant everything for them because I mean, they weren't, weren't doing a good job at all of locking up Creighton's offense. I mean, along with Kaluma's 27, I mean, Creighton had 17 points from Trey Alexander, 13 from Baylor Shireman. So they really just, just got lucky that. They were able to put up so many shots. Not an extremely efficient night for them either. I mean, shot sub-30% from me on the arc. Um, but it was that volume and their rebounding that was really able to take it home. I mean, 50 rebounds. Whenever you pass that mark in a college game, uh, you can only expect to win. They turned the ball over a great amount as well. 20, 20 turnovers for BYU, which, I mean, as opposed to their rebounding, something that you rarely see in a win. Um but just in another interesting game out of this exciting, exciting Saturday slate of college basketball. Moving on, I have seven teams that I want to note from this week. Uh, this ranges from teams that thoroughly impressed me to teams that are a little bit shaky uh, to teams that have just left me with so many questions. So we're going to start off with the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Um, they started off with their win against then-ranked number 7 Creighton. Um, since their win over them, you know, Creighton has their four consecutive losses with that recent loss to BYU capping all that off. Um, but Nebraska followed that up with a couple more ranked matchups. They had their uh, bout with number 14, Indiana. They they followed up their Creighton win with that a 16-point loss here. Um, and this one was really, really a head-scratcher because... Every defensive prowess that they were able to show in that game against Creighton, they lacked in that game against Indiana. I mean, they they just they let Trace Jackson Davis um, and Trey Galloway walk all over them, but they followed up that Indiana loss to a 
three-point loss in overtime to Purdue in that Saturday slate. And this is one where it looked like Purdue was going to have the sure win. I mean, they led by uh, well into the double digits in the second half, but Nebraska stormed back and almost almost won this game in regulation and in OT. This is a very interesting team to watch in the in the Big Ten. They are currently ranked last as they have uh their zero and two in their Big Ten games. But despite being pretty low in that pretty solid conference with you no know, Purdue, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa, it, it's it's so it's so many questions here. It's so many questions in this team. Um and I, I think a lot of that starts off with Besides Derek White, who is going to be a consistent scorer? I mean, your defense has shown that it is prone to giving up north of the high 60s, low 70 points per night. Who besides, I mean, of course, you have your questions. Who's going to step up on defense? Who besides Derek Walker is going to step up as a scorer? You have good games from C.J. Wilker. You have good games from Sam Grissel. If you want to be more consistent, you're going to have to get more consistent scoring from down further down the bench. You had a good game earlier from Kisi Tomnaga. Is he going to do that every night? I don't think so. I mean, he's averaging uh, 10 points so far into this season and so early on to this season, but it's you need some more of that consistency. I'd, I'd look for the Cornhuskers to make some waves uh, later on in their conference schedule if they can figure that question out. Um, second team I want to touch on, the St. Mary's Gales. Um, they had a very, very, very close game with then ranked number one Houston. Uh, Houston did have <laughs> have a pretty tough loss later on in the week, which we mentioned. But um, following that up, they had a, a dominant win over Missouri State, where they won by twenty points. And then earlier in the Saturday slate, they topped ranked San Diego State by seven, um, which we talked, which I talked about. Nicholas Hodel talked about as part of the Jerry Colangelo's classic. Um, but they have been making some waves after a little bit of a rocky stretch uh, with their loss to the Washington Huskies and the and New Mexico. Um, it's been semi-up and down for the Gales, but they have been trending in the right direction. They've been trending in the direction that they did at the beginning of the season uh, when they started with some great wins against mid-major teams. But, I mean, the Gales are looking pretty, pretty strong here. Um but the question is, in their next games against New Mexico State, Colorado State, Wyoming, these are winnable games, but can you make a statement? Can you get these double-digit wins um, in these games before you head into some uh, some conference play, which is where, where you really have to make um, your waves? Of course, you're going to match up against Gonzaga. Uh, you're going to have some bouts with uh, USF, which is a pretty decent team. They have decent teams um, in the West Coast Conference this year. Can you make a statement before you head into those games? That's what I'm looking for from St. Mary's. Um, hopping over to our third team, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Coming off of last week's win against number one ranked North Carolina in four overtimes. Such a great game that was. They had a pretty pretty convincing win against South Dakota State where they won 78-65. Um, to 65. Um, They did a pretty good job getting points from multiple areas. I mean... You had 22 from Noah Clownley, 19 from Mark Sears. That's always going to get it done for you. Um, and they did a a not a great job 
in defending the Jackrabbits in this one. I mean, Alex Arians, who is a hard player to stop, had 17. Uh, Charlie Eastley had uh, 17 as well. Um, but it's just that firepower of an offense that the Crimson Tide has been able to establish so far into the season. And they were really able to follow that up with their win against the undefeated number one ranked in the nation, Houston Cougars. We talked a little bit about that game earlier. Just such a great game down the stretch for the Crimson Tide. Um, just a, a such a such a such a fun start to their season. Um, they have one loss to UConn, um, who is looking like such such a strong program so far into this year. Uh, they haven't lost a game yet, um, but they have wins against number one ranked Houston, number one ranked North Carolina. Michigan State, when they were at arguably their strongest point of the season, I mean, Alabama is looking like a very, very solid program. Right now, they're ranked eighth in the nation. I can only imagine uh, come the uh, new AP polls next week, this week, uh, they're going to be six or above, um, especially with a lot of these top-ranked top teams falling. Um, Alabama is one of those teams that I expect to jump up. How about... The TCU Horned Frogs. Just a couple of weeks ago, we were consistently, consistently almost badgering them because they had a really, really rocky start to their season. Um, but they've been able to kind of kick it up into high gear ever since their win against uh, then-ranked Iowa. They've been pretty solid. You had a 13-point win against Providence, um, a, a very solid Providence program, um, who's had a kind of solid uh, or a, a shaky start to the season. Um, but then a, a very convincing, almost 30-point win against Jackson State, and then a very solid win against SMU, who is a who is a up-and-down team, of course. Um, but Mike Miles Jr. returning for the Horned Frogs has meant everything for this team. I mean, since his return, I mean, he had the, at eight, he led uh, the Horned Frogs with 18 in their game against SMU, um, but it's been him... And it's been uh, Jacoby Coles on honestly stepping up a little bit. I mean, Jacoby Coles had twenty one that game against Jackson State. It's been uh, it's been Mike Peavy or Micah Peavy, sorry, stepping up. It's been different players stepping up. You have your Mike Miles as your consistent scorer, but you have other players stepping up and dropping north of 15, 16 points every night. That is exactly what you need. I mean, you can rely on your Mike Miles. You can rely on your Chuck O'Bannon, but you know, it's it's been such a resurgence for them here. Returning, uh, you have your returning of Damian Ball, and that's just meant so much for their backcourt and really opened up a lot for this TCU offense. I mean, it's it's honestly it's it's pretty refreshing to see after how much we were uh, making fun of them to start off the season. They've uh, they've really cemented themselves as a pretty solid team uh, here in here in the Big Twelve, which is a very 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 solid conference taking a look at Iowa who did have at then their only loss of the season to CCU um they lost to uh number 15 the ranked Duke by 12 this week um just a just a tough game for them really not a lot going for them I mean they shot 18 percent from three that is that's never going to get you anywhere and they follow that up with not rebounding super well 35 rebounds to Duke's 45 um, they really weren't able to put a cap on uh, Duke's Jeremy Roach offense. Um, Mark Mitchell, Kyle Filipowski. I mean, Duke just had too many great players. 
for Iowa to be able to stop. Um, and they just really fell short in that game. But they followed that up with a 19-point win against Iowa State, who's also ranked 20th in the in the uh, in the nation here. A uh, little little conference or little little rivalry game, and this this one left me very confused because Iowa State has been pretty very solid. I mean, Iowa State had their their win against North Carolina during that that invitational that really shook up the ground. But since then, they've been a pretty up and down team. And in this one, they shot thirteen percent against Iowa from the three point line. And if you know Iowa, if you know this Hawkeyes team. If they get it going, they can shoot the lights out. And that they did this game. They shot 12 for 23 from beyond the arc uh, here. And this is without Chris Murray, by the way, who has been their uh, breakout leading scorer for them this season. He's been averaging 19 this season. They play this game without him, and they still take home such a convincing win at home. Um, It was just a a very dominant performance. 22 points, 11 rebounds for Philip Verbecca. Um, you had 13 points from Patrick McCaffrey. It was just top to bottom, a great shooting win for them. And that goes to show when this Iowa team can score beyond the arc, that is the difference maker in their win. I mean, that jump from 18% three-point shooting to 52% meant the absolute world for them in scoring. Uh, they have they have great scorers. We mentioned Chris Murray, Patrick McCaffrey, Philip Fabreca. Um, they also have players that can go out and get it on any given night, and that's really what you want to see out of a team. I mean, Chris Murray is such a dog, but you also have players um, like Aaron Ulis, like Tony Perkins, that can go out and get it done. Um, jumping over to the Maryland Terrapin, Terrapins, um, they had an interesting week as well. They took down Illinois in a great ranked matchup, uh, beat them by five points here. 71 to 66. This one was quite the showdown. Uh, they were able to semi hold Terrence Shannon uh, Jr., who's been absolutely lights out for Illinois. They held him to 19. Um, they were led by Jameer Young's 24 points. Uh, just a great ranked win here, but then they followed that up with a loss to a very tough Wisconsin program. Um, five point loss. Just, just the swing between these two games. Um, it's, it's really something to see. Uh, especially because you look at the way that they've played. Um, they shot very similarly in both of these games. Um, if you look at like percentages-wise, it was just when they can get that sort of volume that they showed against Illinois up, it means the absolute world for them. And that all comes down to rebounding, um, in which they kind of struggled against, against again with Wisconsin. Um, just something that they need to work on really as a team, as a team, as a unit. Um, they have some solidified scores with Jimmy or young Dante Scott, Hakeem Hart. If they can just get a little bit cleaner as a team, um, they'll be able to make more ways. I mean, this Wisconsin loss is their first this season. Um, they have a pretty decent or a pretty tough schedule coming up with a game against Tennessee and a game against UCLA. So I guess that's really where we're really going to be able to see how well coached this team is. Um, and what adjustments they can make. Uh, and the last team I want to take a look at here is the Creighton Blue Jays. Four in a row losses. This is coming off of a ranked win against Texas Tech, a win against one of the best teams in the nation in, in Arkansas. Then they lose to Ari- to U of A, they lose to Arizona. Then this week, lost to number two Texas. 
then lost to Nebraska, who we mentioned earlier, and then a loss to BYU in the Saturday slate. That one went down to the wire, uh, went down to like an inbounds turnover here. Um, but just two really tough losses against underranked teams. Um, that Nebraska game, I mean, Nebraska just went lights out, um, really in terms of in terms of getting shots up from be inside the arc, from behind the arc. They really weren't able to get much of that going, but Creighton just, they lacked a decent amount of defense. I mean, they led up 83 points to BYU, which is pretty unexcusable considering they, they led up eight, 81 to Arizona and 72 to Texas. Um, it's just their defense has suffered and their offense really hasn't been able to follow it up. I mean, when the other team scores a lot, they can they can put up some a decent amount of points as well. I mean, they can follow the tempo of the other team pretty well, but it's just can Creighton set its own tempo? That's really something that I've seen they've had a lack of so far this season. I mean, they're six and four now after this these four consecutive losses, but it's it's just such a it's such a shaky recent last like two weeks for them because they looked so strong at the beginning of the season. They looked like one of the best teams. Um, and they've just been on a spiral since then. Um, so those are just seven teams that I wanted to take a special closer look at from this past week. Two special teams that I do want to make a special note of here is the Louisville Cardinals and the California Golden Bears. Now, the reasoning for mentioning these these teams, which should should honestly never, ever, ever be mentioned, these are the two teams left in college basketball, two power five teams that have zero wins in this season. Louisville is off to a zero and nine start with a loss to start the season to Bellarmine by one, a one point loss to Wright State, a one point loss to Appalachian State. And then they just started getting into the thick of the schedule where they're losing to Arkansas and Texas Tech and Maryland. Still some really good teams that they're losing to. Can't blame them for these, but 0-9 thus far. And they have some decently winnable games coming up. Western Kentucky, uh, they have Lipscomb coming up. They have Florida A&M coming up. They can take a win in one of these next three games here. But so far, 0-9. And then looking at the Golden Bears, just even even worse losses, I'd say. I mean... 10-point loss to UC Davis, 9-point loss to Kansas State, close loss to San Diego State, and then they get into the thick of their schedule and then is get crushed by TCU, get whooped by Clemson, lost to USC, whooped by Arizona. I mean, can California start getting it done? They have maybe two more games, I'd say, um, two more games until they get into their conference schedule. Again, Santa Clara and UT Arlington. If they want to get a win this season, they need to take home one of these. If they don't, then you get right into your Utah, your Colorado, and your Stanford. Those are your first three conference matchups. You're not, you're, once you get into the conference, you're not winning a game. They have to win one of these two between Santa Clara and UT Arlington. If they don't want to keep going on their 0 for 11, 0 and 11 start this year, absolutely embarrassing. They are Honestly, I think they're. I think California is the worst team in Power Five basketball. I think they're worse than the Louisville Cardinals here. It is. It's. They are just a tough basketball team to watch. Just wanted to mention these two teams real quick because it. 
it's going to be a race. It's a race to not be at the bottom for these two. On that bright note, we're going to be going straight into our weekly awards, where first we're going to go into our team of the week. Um, with our team of the week, we're going to be going with the Alabama Crimson Tide. After their week this week, first a win above South Dakota State, one of you know my favorite mid-major, near-major teams um, in the nation. They dropped 78 on them. It was a great scoring performance from them. Uh, you had your 22 from Noah Clownley. 19 from Mark Sears, 16 from Brendan Miller. They really showed their offensive prowess in this game um, and out outboarded them, out-assisted them. They showed why they're super strong. But you can't just judge a team off of how they play against a non-Power 5 school. Let's see how they play against the number one team in the nation, the undefeated Houston Cougars. Keep mentioning this game because I absolutely loved this performance out of the Alabama Crimson Tide taking home that 71-65 to win over the Cougars. Um, you had 16 from Noah Clownley. You had 11 from Mark Sears. And you had 12 off the bench, off the bench from Jaden Bradley. Um, just such a great, great win here. Um going into Houston and giving them uh, their first loss. I mean, it, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily the greatest shooting performance for Alabama, but it was the grit that they showed. I mean, Houston led as much as, by as much as 15 in the second half of this game, and the Crimson Tide rolled on back and took – it was a 21-point swing in that, I guess, because a six-point victory over the number one team in the country, the Houston Cougars, that is going to drop the Houston down, down, down uh, in the national standings. But, I mean, honestly, it can't drop them super because Alabama came into this game ranked eighth in the nation. I think after this after this week here, you can make an argument that they're top six, maybe top five. There's going to be some teams jumping up like Arizona. Um, but Alabama, such a strong week from them. For my player of the week, I'm going to be going with Drew Timmy of the Gonzaga Bulldogs. In his two games this week on Monday against Kent State, he put up 29 points and 17 rebounds on 69% shooting from the field. Um, Gonzaga took home a win against Kent State, 73-66. to Closer game than anticipated, but I mean, if it weren't for Timmy's absolutely amazing performance in, the, in this one, they would have taken their, uh, their now fourth loss of the season, I believe, for the Gonzaga Bulldogs, if I am correct. Yes, the fourth loss for them, but they were able to take that narrow win because of Timmy's performance. Also threw on a couple of blocks, two blocks, four assists. He absolutely dominated. He meant the world for them in this one. Um, and then he followed it up on Friday with uh, a 22-point performance against the Washington Huskies, and this one they won 77-60. to um, A great margin of victory for them against a Pac-12 team. Um, in which he put up 22 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, and 4 steals. Getting it done on both sides of the floor in this one. Drew Timmy did what he does best. 62% from the field. Uh, he played 36 of these minutes. I mean, he is getting absolutely the full load of these minutes uh, in these non-conference games. But he's succeeding in his role so much. I mean, when he's not playing those amount of minutes they lose I mean if you look at their game against Baylor where they lost by one he only played 31 minutes in that game which is a lot but compared to his other games you know he he, he has such that he's had such such an impact on the Bulldogs um and that that's really shown in these last games because this, these have been some of his best 
scoring performances of the season. I mean, 29 is his season high um, in his Monday game. He scored 22 points uh, on Friday, which he's done. That's his fifth time doing that this season now. I mean, he's just he's on a roll right now since that, that loss against Baylor. Um, and that's why he's my player of the week. That takes us to our mid-major team of the week where we're going to be going with the James Madison Dukes of the Sun Belt. In this week, they played three games. Uh, once again, one against Eastern Kentucky, one against number three ranked Virginia, and one against Galladay. Now, in their game against Eastern Virginia or Eastern Kentucky, sorry, they were able to put up ninety-seven points in this one. Um, they're just getting it done from all over the floor, uh, through all over their their lineup. Really, I mean, say you have seventeen points from Noah Friedel, seventeen points from Terrence Edwards, fifteen points from Justin Amati, uh. 13 points from Mezio from, and then off the bench, you have 16 from Julian Wooden. I mean, they were getting scoring from everywhere. Um, but I mean, yeah, anyone can, you know, any team can probably do that against one of those lower tier teams in Eastern Kentucky, but a 55 to 50 loss, such a narrow loss against the Virginia Cavaliers who haven't lost a game yet. I mean, this is a team that's ranked number third in the, the nation for a reason. I mean, they went to absolute battle with them i mean they didn't they, they led by one in this game at one point um but still such a close game throughout it um in a, in a game where there was really really no big uh big upsets from a mid-major team this is like the best that uh, that i'm seeing um james madison i mean they had 20 from uh taco molson um uh, and that really led them pretty far in this game, but wasn't able to get it done. Then they turned it around and scored 106 points in their game against Galladay uh, to their 43. Just 61 second half points is is really what put the icing on the cake here. And it wasn't even extremely efficient. It was 79 field goal attempts of that game, uh, in which they hit 49% of those, but 51 rebounds for them. I mean... This is this is a a very fun team to watch out of the Sun Belt Conference where I mean you have teams like Marshall and Southern Miss, but James Madison, you know, they had that close game against Virginia. They had a close game against or they had a, a loss earlier in the year to North Carolina, but besides that, they've been a very, very solid school. I mean, they beat South Dakota State. Um so I mean this is a this is a team to look forward to. Um, and come conference time, I think they can, uh, if they, they have a pretty good chance of probably getting a bid into March Madness in my eyes. And that'll just about wrap it up for Nicholas Hodel, who's out there getting you some live on the spot coverage of the greatest college of basketball on the West Coast. I'm Nick Keneally. This has been College Basketball Bonanza. Uh, make sure you tune into the next episode and we love y'all.